you, buddy. You okay? Cool. I called me right last minute. I, I sent you a text. I saw it. Sorry. That's okay. I've been, I've been there. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Dan, is uh, my uh, is channel 11 on? Did I did I blow another cable two weeks in a row? Volume is up. Last week, between rehearsal and and the service, a cable went out. The perfect time for a cable to go out. Still nothing? Okay. That is so funny. This is so awkward. We're a gracious community, though, right? All right, so I'm going to unplug this and put another cable in. Uh, No, Daniel's got the cable. All right, I'm going to put the other guitar on, and then we're going to go from there. So maybe turn the CD back on just for a little bit while I change here. Continue talking amongst yourselves. We're just going to we're just going to take care of this issue, and we'll be fine. So,
Nothing? Let me try the other. You can hear it? Okay. I'm sorry? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Let's redeem this moment and let's stand together. I mean, seriously, what are the odds of your cable going out two weeks in a row right between uh, uh, the sound check and the, uh, and the service? I'm very sorry about that. Uh, I'm to get on Amazon again today. Here we go. Good morning. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your grace and your patience while we work out some technical difficulties again that are all my fault. And um, you know what? There's nothing that our God can't do. And that's what I want to celebrate right now. I want to celebrate uh, the fact that, um, you know, there's, there's never a time where we don't need hope, right? And there's nothing, uh, and it is always uh, available and can be found in Jesus. And that's what I want to do today is just point you to him and point you to the fact that there's nothing that he can't do. So let's just go ahead and get this started. Here we go. All right, let's sing. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can't move, oh praise the name that makes our way, there's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. Oh, just one word, and you revive every dream. Oh, yes, you do. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can't help but believe, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can move, oh praise the name that makes the way, there's nothing that our God can't do, that's right. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. 
so many reasons there's so many reasons to for things that we can be grateful for and um, one of the things I'm grateful for is that today is a gift today is a gift and every breath is a gift the gospel is a gift Jesus the Holy Spirit they're all gifts and I'm grateful and I hope that this song helps you to be as well the day that you have made whatever comes I won't complain for all my hope is in your name and now your joy awaits my praise oh yes it does I give thanks for all you have done and I will sing of your mercy and your love your love is unfailing Lord I am grateful Lord I am grateful when I was down you brought me out 
And you set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. You are my God. Your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks. Sing it, church. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Lord, I am grateful. Let's give thanks again. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget all the battles you have won. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. Lord, I am grateful. So much to be grateful for. Amen. Why don't you have a seat for a moment? And my wife, Carolyn, is going to lead us in a special time of revival prayer. Carolyn. Revive us in such a way that we live for him and him alone. And what used to distract us from having a fully devoted heart, well, that, that's gone. And it's all Jesus. That's why we pray for revival. We pray for God to pour out his spirit on us, to delight in our praise, and to come close to him so he can change us and then use us to share him with those around us. God does want to pour out his spirit on us. In Isaiah chapter 44, it says, But for now, dear servant Jacob, listen. You, yes, you, Israel, my personal choice. God who made you has something to say to you. The God who formed you in the womb wants to help you. Don't be afraid, dear Jacob. Jeshua, the one I choose. For I will pour water on thirsty ground and send streams coursing through the parched earth. I will pour my spirit into your descendants and my blessings on your children. Let's come to him thirsty. Thirsty for him. Parched to the point that only he can satisfy our thirst. Let's empty ourselves of self of selfishness, of being self-reliant. God wants to help us, 
So let's make room for him. Whatever is going on in your life, God really does want you to draw near. He knows and he sees and he waits for us. He's slow to anger and he's full of grace and he's full of mercy. We just sang about that. We just sang that we will sing of his mercy and his love for his love is unfailing and for that we're grateful. He has won battles, and he wants to see more battles won. So, if you are in a battle right now, it could be hard to ask God. It could be hard to approach him. But just do this. Just simply lift your eyes. Just lift your eyes. Lift your eyes toward heaven and tell God, it's hard. You know my heart, God. Please bring revival. If you want God to pour his spirit out on you, to pour out his presence, to pour out his spirit into your children and your descendants, then draw near. If we truly want to see revival in our hearts, we have to bring it all to Jesus. The depression, the confusion, the heartache, the doubt, the fear, the heaviness, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? We need to bring it all and lay down everything done in our own strength and pray for the refreshing spirit of God to come. You see, I do believe God is working. I do believe God is moving. So let's not give up on asking and praying for revival. God has a perfect timing that we don't always understand. His ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But our part is to keep asking God to work in us and to keep praying for revival. So let's ask him to open up heaven and flood every heart and, and with his love and his mercy, because only God can do that. And as we seek and pray for our own personal revival, let's pray for our church. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray for our state, and let's pray for our nation. Let's make Jesus our everything, and let's ask God to send revival to come in power and cover our hearts and cover our land. He has done it before, and let's ask him to do it again. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God Almighty, see us here today your sons and your daughters here waiting for the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out on us. Let the depression, the tiredness, the sickness, the confusion leave, and may our spirits be revived. Revived in your power to do what you have created us to do. Lord, we want to serve you with a wholly devoted heart, with a willing mind. May our every desire and thought be for one thing, Lord, if we have ever needed revival, we need it now. And Lord, if you're looking for a people to start with, start with us. Awaken our hearts and bring prodigals home. We thank you today because you said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then you would heal our land. You would turn from heaven and you would hear our prayers. So today we offer up our hearts and our praise. Restore us, O God, and may we live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Carolyn. Church, let's stand together once more and praise Him. I've heard all the countless stories of who you are and all you've done. Sometimes it's hard for me to fathom that you would call me with your love. You were God in the beginning. Creator of the universe You spoke everything from nothing You planned my life before my birth I respond to all that I have come to know That you are great, my God I declare your name alone above all, above all galaxies, worlds I cannot see. I raise my hands, praise you, Lord of all. You gave your life for me, I King of Majesty. I raise my hands. Praise you, Lord of all. You were God in the beginning, creator of the universe. You spoke everything from nothing. Plan my life before my birth. I respond to all that I have come to know. That you are great, my God. I declare your name alone. Above all galaxies, worlds I cannot see, I raise my hands. Praise you, Lord of all. You gave your life for me, I, King of majesty. I raise my hands and praise you, Lord of all. Oh, yes, I do in my life. In my life, Lord, be lifted high. Glorified in my life, Lord, be lifted high, be glorified in my life, Lord, be lifted high, be glorified. I cannot see. I 
raise my hands and praise you, Lord of all. You gave your life for me, High King of Majesty. Yes, I raise my hands and praise you, Lord of all. Oh, above all galaxies and worlds I cannot see, I raise my hands and praise you, Lord of all. And you gave your life for me, High King of Majesty. Yes, I raise my hands and praise you, Lord of all. Raise my hands. I raise my hands and I praise you, Lord of all. Oh, yes, I do. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you so much. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to raise our hands and praise you for. And that is just the heart attitude that we want to have right now. We just we want to be grateful. And we want to be thankful. And we, we thank you for your incredible grace and mercy and your love that is unfailing. It never fails. It never changes. We thank you so much for that and for so many other things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, church, and thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Elsa. I'd like to welcome our Facebook and our YouTube viewers as well. Um, Today, what we really want to do is always live out the mission of our church. And so we're worshiping right now, which is great, but we also want to grow, serve, and reach. And there are many different opportunities. You can find all of those opportunities on our um, church app. And if you don't have our app, you can search for Solano Valley Church in the App Store or in Google Play. And then just download it from there. And then click on whichever box you want more information from. And hopefully you can contact whoever's in charge of either the ministry or the small group that you want to join. I'd also like to remind you that tonight... Carolyn prayed for us personally, but as a church, we also um, like to pray together corporately, and we are having a revival prayer gathering that is going to take place here at 6.30 p.m. Prayer is so essential to the mission of our church, and it's essential to revival in our church, our nation, and our world. And it begins with humbling ourselves before God and asking him to do what only he can do. I just would like to encourage you all to join us tonight as we worship and seek the Lord together by faith. On Sunday, December 5th, we will be kicking off a new story called Christmas Stories. Everyone loves a great story. And at Christmas, there are a lot of stories we like to enjoy. Stories have a way of shaping us in good ways when they are great stories. And the Christmas passages of the Gospels have a way of reminding us of what's really important in life. I want to encourage you to join us for all five messages, including Christmas Eve and the Sunday after Christmas. And then, good news to share, we are excited to be hosting an in-person Christmas Eve celebration this year at 6 p.m. 
We invite you to join us that night for a special evening of Christmas carols and encouraging readings from the scriptures as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And then lastly, I'd like to share with you, we have another wonderful opportunity to love on our community. We are hosting a winter coat drive for the Levin and a canned food drive for the food bank of Contra Costa and Solano. And we encourage you to serve our neighbors in need in these very practical ways. There are some flyers at the back of the welcome table that you can pick up and get more information about this in, um, these events happening. And right now, we are going to continue our worship with our giving. By worshiping God in this way, we declare that God is worth more to us than the security and pleasure that comes from our money. We give as a spiritual discipline so that we can be generous like Jesus. And we declare the worth and importance of God's mission to save lives and to save souls and gladly embrace our part in it. There are five different ways that you can give. We can give online by going to www.solanovalley.org forward slash giving. You can also tap give on the SVC phone app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can also text GIVE to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can place offering. There's a silver mail slot in the back behind the sound booth. And we just, again, want to thank you so much for your generosity. This weekend, Pastor Gary and Joy have been enjoying some time away at a marriage retreat in Monterey. Our guest speaker this morning is Joey Manzi, and Joey is a middle school pastor for Westgate Church in San Jose. Will you please welcome Joey back to SVC to share God's word? Good morning, y'all. How are we doing? Awesome. Um... Before I get started, a couple of things. I know I sound a little congested. Have no fear. Allergies are here. Um, I've had allergies my entire life, and I've taken Claritin my entire life. And this year, it's doing nothing. Is anybody? Am I alone? Is anybody else just getting pulverized by allergies? It's just me? Great. Okay, cool. Amen. Um, all right, so also, the second thing, uh, drummer this morning, what's your name? Daniel, I don't think you guys appreciate what he just did. So let me explain. He's got some sort of broken, fractured, sprained surgery issue, something. And are you right-handed or left-handed? Okay, even more so. So he's right-handed, which means he's right-footed. So if he's drumming and he's doing a little kick thing, today he's using his left foot. That's like throwing a baseball with your left hand. And I know that because I'm a drummer. And I can't do that with my left foot. So he's sitting here. He's doing the kick with his opposite foot. And then he's using the shaker, but at the same time on the off beats, he's hitting the tambourine with his wrist. I don't think you guys realize that. I'm sitting there like, holy smokes. I've been playing drums for 15 years and I can't ever do that. So, and then he's switching with his offhand to the cajon and to the djembe and I don't know, man. So kudos. I just had to say that. It's true. Um, all right, can we get started now? All right. So if, uh, 
Well, I want to say, first of all, good morning, and thanks for coming to church. There's a lot of things that pull you in every which way, um, and you chose to be here and not watch football. So thanks for, uh, for being here while Pastor Gary is gone. Um, as you heard a little bit ago, Elsa, thanks for the wonderful introduction. My name's Joey, um, and I'm one of the youth pastors on staff at Westgate Church in San Jose. I'm going to do my best to not stand like this so I can't have eye contact with you guys at home. There's a big giant pole here. Um, so yeah, uh, some of you may remember that I was here back in March um, for one or two weeks, and uh, it was a blast. Got to teach on forgiveness and mercy, and um, so a little bit about me. I'm 28 years old. I, like I said, I work at Westgate Church in San Jose. Um, I live in San Jose. It took me about an hour 15 to get here. No traffic, praise God. Um, I have a bachelor's in sociology. I'm pursuing my seminary master's degree in ministry and leadership right now. Got about two years left on that. Um, Church-wise, ministry-wise, I love teaching, I love leading, I love people, and I love Sunday morning donuts. So you need to get Pastor Gary on that because I didn't see any donuts walking in. Um, There should be one donut for every hand sanitizer in the room. And yeah, Um, can I get an amen? All right, cool. Pastor Gary. All right. Um, Speaking of, he told me that you guys are going through a series lately on the book of John. Am I right? And so today it lands us in John chapter 15. Um, In some circles, some life groups, some churches, John chapter 15 is one of the most commonly talked about or taught about or um, discussed part of the book of John. Um, And if you know what I'm talking about, a common theme in John 15 is the word abide or the word remain, depending on the translation you read from. And so um, this John chapter 15 presents to me one of my favorite theological themes, which we're going to get to in just a second. But before we get started, I want to say that it's one of my favorites, and I apologize if I get a little bit fiery or a little bit um, uh, passionate while I'm teaching. The more my hands move around means the higher my blood pressure is, and that's usually a good thing. So John chapter 15, verse 5 goes like this. All of the scripture we're going to be reading today is straight out of the mouth of Jesus. If you have a hard Bible, Um, You might see it in red letters. If you have the Bible app, you have to turn that setting on. Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not you can do a little bit, you can do nothing. Very controversial. Everyone say remain. Remain. So before we move on, I want to make sure that we fully understand this word. And I'm going to nerd out here for a second. Um, Remain comes from the Greek word minnow, but it's spelled M-E-N-O. But it's minnow like the old game sharks and minnows. This word means, minnow in the Greek, means to remain, to stay, to reside. Other uses of this word um, or or, uh, uh, phrasing of this word um, can also mean to endure to continue, to stay with, to stay on, dwelling place, room, staying. Are we seeing a common theme between all this? Okay. Now, I'm using the Greek word for a couple reasons. I realize you might be sitting here being like, dude, why are you talking about the Greek? And um, the reason is because contrary to maybe popular belief, the Bible wasn't written in English. Is that news to anybody? If it is, I'm sorry. I should not be the first one telling you this. The Bible was not written in English. It wasn't even close. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And sprinkled in there is some Aramaic, but largely Hebrew and then Greek. And since we're in the book of John, it's one of the four Gospels, which means we are in the New Testament. So sometimes 
because there's a million different translations. There's probably 10 different translations represented in this room right now um, of what you're looking at. I'm teaching from the NIV today. But in the NIV, it says remain. In the ESV, it says abide. Right? They both realistically mean the same thing, but they got different connotations. So we go back to the Greek, back to the original intent for which this word was used, and what other places in the Bible this specific minnow word was used, and what those contexts were. And we get what I talked about earlier. We get remain, staying, dwelling place, things like that. I believe it's important to translate from the original word because then we can really feel and see and hear the full intention. For example, raise your hand if you have young kids in here. Raise your hand if you've ever had kids. Raise your hand if you've ever put them in timeout. Okay. I guarantee you've never said to your kid, make the corner your dwelling place. I guarantee it. Now, in the moment, you might have like, you might, you might be sitting here being like, well, yeah, that actually does kind of work. It would have been nice if my son or daughter just like parked themselves right there and just, you know, and rethought their whole life and all their choices. But when we say, hey, go on time out, stay there, and they try to move, you say, no, 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 stay there. We're not thinking dwelling place. We're not thinking reside. We're not thinking take refuge in. But the original word when Jesus said, remain in me, wasn't just stay there. Am I making sense? Okay. Good. So let me tell you a story. Um, Growing up, my dad and I, uh, my dad was always gardening. That was like his thing. He'd do his nine to five and then come home and he's gardening. And it, it was like his garden and his lawn and the grass, the front yard, backyard was so perfect it was as if he like got down on his hands and knees and like got to the level and made, you know, as if the the grass was a flat top and he like took scissors and just like made it perfect. Some of the dads in the room can relate, right? So he was always making sure the front yard and the backyard had freshly cut grass, colorful flowers. It was like a color scheme. Um, Leaves were not on the ground. They were not in the pool because that is not the rightful place. They were either on the trees or in the green waste bin. That was it. And don't even get me started on squirrels. He hated squirrels. Squirrels to my dad were like kryptonite to Superman. And they would come and dig their walnuts or their acorns in the lawn and just mess up his whole thing. Um, And it would throw off his gardening masterpiece. There'd be these giant holes in the lawn because of it. And that's where conversations began about like getting pellet guns and BB guns and stuff. And my mom's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. My dad was so particular with his yard Um, what started as a hobby became a second job. He'd work his 8 to 4, 9 to 5 during the week, and then he'd come home, play some catch with me, and then tend to the yard. And on the weekends, I'm convinced, he was Home Depot's greatest customer. Um, If 15, 20 years ago, uh, rewards programs and cashback systems and all that existed, my dad would be loaded. He'd have more money from Home Depot than he would in his retirement. Um, I always went with him because I wanted to ride around on those carts and hold on as like a mini jungle gym on wheels. And um, then my dad realized I have this 14-year-old man-child who wants to, you know, he's 150 pounds and he wants to sit on these things like he's embarrassed. So he's like, you can't do that anymore. Anyways, my dad was like a mini farmer. He was the gardener. He'd plant plants, trees, bushes, and flowers. And along with squirrels, he hated weeds, crabgrass, um, with a passion. Every weekend he's out there pruning, cutting off weeds, 
from the roots, from the lawn, basically getting rid of all the extra stuff that wasn't helping the cause of his garden. It was cutting off all the, the stuff that was getting in the way of his garden flourishing. Now, sometimes, as you've experienced, um, bushes and plants grow at different rates. You plant 10 of the same seed, 10 of the same plants grow. You water them all the same. They get all the same sunlight. And one grows perfectly, and three of them grow all sideways, and one of them dies. So, and the rest are somewhere in between. Well, for him, sometimes the branches would grow much faster than others, and it would run into his perfectly measured spaces in between all the plants. And he'd have to figure them out. He'd have to prune and cut. They'd grow into each other. They'd start vining and connecting. They'd go into the fences and bend and tip over. All this crazy stuff. And in addition to that, if we have gardens and we have plants and we have all that stuff, we have things that come to steal, kill, and destroy the goodness of the garden. They are called aphids. Everybody say aphid. Now aphids, um, sorry for the science lesson, the environmental science lesson, but aphids suck all the sap out 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 of the leaves and the trees. That's what they feast on. And sap is essential to the life of plants. If sap is removed, the plant's life is um, no more. And so this is something that my dad had to think about while he's doing all of his gardening. For most of my life, I never understood why it was such a big deal for him and to him to keep the garden pristine. I always made fun of him. My friends always made fun of him. Where's dad? He's in the backyard. Oh, where's dad? Oh, he's mowing the lawn. Oh, where's dad? But it was to cut off the branches that didn't produce flowers, color, and even fruit. And in my mind, looking at it as a collective whole, there's the flourishing, there's the colors, there's the awesome garden, and then there's just the little bits of stuff. And for me, I'm like, those can stay there. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like the garden is, you know, not growing anything, you know? Like, it's it's okay, right? But the reason that he did this is because It was so that the rest of the plants could flourish. It was so the rest of the plants could grow as they were supposed to. And then recently I made a connection. The garden that my my dad tended to, he was essentially the gardener. Would we agree? The farmer. The one taking care of it. But that garden and all of the branches is like our lives. If we're honest, if we take a step back and really look at our lives, really take account into what's going on, we would admit that we live life with tons of dead branches. And if you don't believe me, it's a blind spot. All of us live like this. Things that we know aren't letting us fully flourish, but we kind of just let them sit there and we focus on the good. Because 85% of my life, 89, 95, 99%, maybe 20% is good. And I know this bad stuff's over here. I know I say words I shouldn't. And I know I watch movies that I shouldn't. And I know I think of people in the way that I shouldn't. And I know I'm not merciful. And I know I hate this person. And I know I gossip. But, like, what about all the other good stuff? What about all the good stuff, right? And there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that, right? There is good. There is bad. God causes rain and, 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 and lack of rain on the good and the bad. Old Testament. It's nothing inherently wrong with saying, well, there are good things. But it is inherently wrong if we say, but the bad things don't matter. We don't need to do anything about them. If you haven't realized by now, I'm talking about sin. Sin that we know is sin, but we categorize it in a way that is, it's small, insignificant, it's petty, it's unimportant, it's not affecting our lives. It just blends in. You may be thinking, I don't need to give it a lot of attention because... 
overall I'm a good person. You know, I tithe and I come to church and I serve and I do those things. When I get home, I talk a bunch of crap. Or I regret serving those people. Or I go home and I complain about the feet that I just washed. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that we could do. So my question about that is this, and this is straight out of Scripture. What if living with the weeds and the things of our garden, the things of our lives that are not allowing us to flourish, what if living with that stuff is actually holding us back from doing anything? Not a little bit, not good, but completely nothing. And I would venture to say that if we're always living our lives with these dead branches covered in sin, we can do nothing. And if you're upset that I say that, you're not upset with me, you're upset with Jesus because it came from his mouth. Let's read John chapter 15 together. John chapter 15 opens up like this. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father God is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word or words I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Pretty cut and dry here. No branch, if we are the branches, no branch, nobody, none of us can bear fruit by ourselves. We cannot bear fruit unless we remain in him. It goes on. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Before we go to the next verse, um, I learned in seminary that this verbiage about you are like a branch that is thrown away, that's actually like a borderline derogatory term. It's a very stern thing that Jesus is saying. And earlier on when we see he, um, he cuts off every branch, it's not, a, it's not just like a, oh, just get rid of that. It's, it's, it's more intense kind of verbiage. He goes on to say, My command is this. Am I? Oh, I'm too far ahead. Sorry. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. For you are my friends. This is from Jesus. For you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father God, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, 
fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father God will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You guys have heard the, um, you know, the Ten Commandments, right? And then Jesus comes in and he's like, let me rewrite those for a sec. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Talking about fruit that will last. Well, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The one that Jesus is focusing on here is saying, you need to bear fruit that will last. And the, the, the one he's talking about is love. He says, it's all about love. This is my command. Love each other. So this word remain that we read about has connotations of something that's already begun. Something that's already started. Now just practically speaking, you can't remain somewhere if you're not already there, right? Like you can't say, you can't stay in this building right here in this church if you're not already here. During an, an evacuation or a fire drill, I think back to when I was in high school and we would be in our classes and there'd be a planned fire drill and then the bell would ring and da-da-da-da. We have to walk in single file line all the way across campus down these stairs to the, to the football field. You know, whether it's planned or not, um, you go to a place that is deemed safe and you remain. You stay there because it is the safest place that you could be. It's a place that you will be taken care of. It's a place that you can take refuge. And this is our job with Jesus as the vine. This is what it looks like to remain. Now, in the same scenario, let's say that you got the news late. Let's say you're in an evacuation drill, a fire drill, and you're in the bathroom, or you're walking around, you got headphones in, or whatever, and you just somehow you missed it. Somehow you missed it. Whatever is causing the evacuation, you missed it. Well, then, at some point, you will find yourself without vital information on how to continue living your life. Because you're going to get back to class, and you're going to be like, holy crap, there's no one here. Where is everyone? Well, class is still in session. I didn't hear a bell. And then you're walking around, and it's a ghost town. And all of a sudden, you see smoke. All of a sudden, I don't know. You hear something, and it spooks you. It freaks you out. So you may find yourself literally running all over the place with chaos, anxiety, worry, disorder, and fear. This is what it's like being disconnected from the vine. This is what it's like connecting to our own vine. Jesus says you can't do this alone. This is what it's like connecting to all the other things of this world rather than Jesus. This is what happens when we don't remain in him. You know, the world that we live in, I was thinking about this as I was rehearsing on the way here. The world that we live in says you don't need any other vine. And unfortunately, there's some Christians who believe that as well. I'm here to tell you today that that is wrong. And you can disagree and you can try. And someday you will come back and realize that all of the things that you use to mask or facade or put up a false front to try to cover up the things that are causing chaos, anxiety, disorder, fear, and worry in your life, to try to get rid of those instead of connecting the vine and say, hey, Jesus, we just talked about this in the revival prayer. Hey, I'm submitting all of this to you. Instead of doing that, but covering yourself with anything else of the world, will always leave you thirsty. It will always leave you coming back to the well. But if you keep coming back to the well, the things of this world, you're going to be there in line every single day. 
multiple times a day. But if you come back to the well that never runs dry, the well, the living water in your daily bread, things are different. And actually, if you're connected to the vine, you never actually have to come back. Why? Because it's become your dwelling place. Full circle. Because you're remaining there. Because you haven't disconnected. He is a dwelling place. The vine is a dwelling place. It is a place of staying, continuing, residing, enduring, and remaining. It does not mean that aphids will not come. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to try to come and steal, kill, and destroy, and disconnect. It doesn't mean that temptation's not going to come. It just means you're not alone when it does. It just means you're not alone when it does. So how do we do this? How do we remain? Well, if you ask yourself, how do I remain? Joey, how do I do this? What does that look like? Well, the, Jesus literally says, if you keep my commands, you will remain. But as we read the last sentence, this is my command. What is it? To love each other. If you keep my commands, love each other, you will remain. Boom. There it is. Why do we do this? Why should I do this? I have told you this, he says, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay, Joey, cool, it's about joy. That doesn't sound great. I mean, yeah, joy's fine, but like, how's it help me now? There's no material, there's no gratification. Why is joy important? In the world today, there's a lot of talk and, uh, about how happiness and joy are synonyms. And I'm here to tell you that that's just not true. The world will tell you that do things to find joy and find happiness and live your best life now and all this stuff. It's a lie. Happiness is what happens based on feelings and emotions. Happiness is what our brain gives us when something cool happens. And you get a, a rush of dopamine, you get a rush of oxytocin, you get a rush of endorphins, and you're like, woo, this is great. Like me at the concert I went to a month ago. Like, it's just so fun. Everything's great. You're super happy. And then all of a sudden, when that thing that was making you happy is no longer present, at the very least, or at the very most, you're just back to even. Now let's say um, you're finding your happiness in how much money you're making. You're finding your happiness in the job that you have. You're finding your happiness in a person. You're finding your happiness in the ways that you believe other people think about you. And then you find out that those people actually are lying and they're talking crap about you behind your back. That person that you're finding your happiness in leaves. Doesn't like you anymore. The job that you're making a bunch of money in, you got, a, you got demoted or you lost your job. I don't mean to strike a chord with anybody. But what I do mean is to give you the perspective that if we're finding our happiness in something or someone or anything or one that's not Jesus, it will leave us and doesn't come with us when we die. The reason Jesus says, I, will, I have told you this so that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete is one, seeking joy on your own means it cannot be complete. But number two because although Jesus is fine with us being happy, it's not his highest priority. He wants us to have joy. I said something right now that's a little controversial. 
in the uh, book of James, I believe it's the first chapter of James. I didn't do a slide for this. Sorry. Um, but in the first, uh, the, the first chapter of James, sorry, um, it opens up with, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, so that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's a cause and effect. There's a reason for this thing. It's not, Consider it joy when you tri- face trials of many kinds. Next. So that the testing of your faith, or because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Because Jesus knows that these things are going to happen again, and again, and again. And they might not be the same thing, but it's going to be a different thing that pulls you and and tries to pull you away from the vine. There's going to be another thing in your life that's going to say, Hey, uh, the world's calling, and this is a uh, this looks better. This is a quicker fix. This will make you happy. Don't think about it after. Don't think about what's going to happen when it goes away. Just you don't need the vine. Be your own person. Be empowered. Do what you want to do. Your best life now. Everything you need is within you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I can only say this because I've lived it. And if y'all are honest. Some of you have too. And if we're really, really honest, we're still doing it. And I'm all about honesty. Because if we don't do that with ourselves, we won't ever get anywhere. And all of a sudden we find ourselves living a life where it's like, holy crap, all these years have gone by and I never actually admitted that. Never confessed that. I never admitted that defeat. I never admitted that wrongdoing. I never admitted that transgression to myself, to God. And then years and years go by and it's like, how much time have I wasted where I could have just could have just said it i didn't have to believe a lie i could have been connected to the vine this whole time not that you would have had it easy but you wouldn't have been alone i told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete because when life sucks and we sorry for kids in the room but when we have trials in our lives you got to consider it joy because it is an opportunity to persevere So when it happens again, you know what to do. So when it happens to your spouse, you know what to say. So when it happens to your coworker or whoever in your life, you know how to empathize with them because you lived it. We can't do this alone. All right, so now how? How do we remain? Why do we remain? But how do we bear fruit? This all sounds good, but how do we bear fruit? Well, Jesus says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now think about it. If you see an apple tree or a lemon tree or a tomato vine or a grapevine, my roommate recently is having a quarter-life crisis, I think, and he started gardening um, uh, out of the blue. And um, if you remove the part that the fruit is going, growing from, from the vine, it will eventually die. Now, it's not rocket science. But it won't be able to bear fruit because it's no longer getting the nutrients that it needs. That's why. Okay, Joey, duh. Duh. You can't, if you just keep watering it, but you disconnect it from the vine, it's, it's not going to come back. Same with our spiritual lives. It's the same thing. It is no longer able to bear fruit because it's disconnected from the vine. Jesus says, you're the branches. 
If we are the branches and Jesus is the vine, then He is the source of all of our needs, all of our life. All the ability that we have to bear fruit is not actually our ability. It's our obedience. But it's not our joy. It's God's joy complete in us. To bear fruit that lasts and be joyful in doing things in this life is because Jesus is the source of our sustenance. Jesus wants you to have joy, and he gives you the blueprint to do it. Like I said, happiness is based on things we have and how our life is going. If it's going well, we're happy. If it's not, we're a whole slew of things. And then we do a whole slew of things to try to get back to where we were. And wash, rinse, repeat. But joy is what we have no matter how life is going. And if we're connected to the vine, our joy is complete. And if we focus on staying connected to the vine, to Jesus, then the result, the byproduct, the promise is bearing fruit that lasts and having joy. And with that, I'm convinced that we can't lose. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for John 15. Thanks for this gospel. Thanks for an opportunity to... um, Give some thoughts, and I pray that you um, would use it to glorify yourself, um, bring good to us, and uh, help us on this journey of connecting to you. Give us the the courage to do that, the boldness to courage, uh, the boldness to do that, the um, the opportunities to persevere so that we can not lack um, things that that we could do to help people in our community or people in our home. So be with us as we persevere. Be with us as this life is not easy. Um, Be with us as nothing that you've asked us to do is easy, but you asked for our obedience and our hearts. And so help us to do that. I pray none of this falls on deaf ears, and I pray that it's all edifying to us and worship to you. In your name, amen. Amen. Joey, thank you. Thank you for bringing the truth to us. Thank you for all your preparation. And um, I think I would have, I think your dad and I would, get along i mean i i don't have a yard that would do that or that even looks like that but uh i there's the, actually this this uh house that is out of my way on the way home but i drive by it and it's on a corner and there's a stop sign and i just stop at the stop sign and just stare at this guy's yard for you know a little bit on the way home just just to look at it because it's just so beautiful and perfect, but it is that way for all the reasons that you explained. And um, so, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we look forward to having you back again. Thanks, man. Let's stand together and let's celebrate the fact that uh, there is nothing that our God can't do. Here we go. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart can't help but believe 
There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word. Just one word. You hear what's broken inside me. Just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Oh, just one touch, eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. No, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Amen, and I believe that. We hope to see you back here tonight for Revival Prayer at 630. Have an awesome day, everyone. Thanks for being here.